Show. That's my open? That's what they used to call me, Swivel Hit Bradford. That's my open. I'm okay. waiting for you to so justify what? your stupid opinion. Bradford Show. That's delicious. Boom sauce, everybody. Boom sauce. I hope everyone had a great weekend, and I hope everyone's ready for a great week. I know that we're starting off with a great guest this week, Rich Hill, free agent pitcher. Last we saw him, he was with the Minnesota Twins, had a pretty good year there. Uh, he's probably going to get a nice contract with a team of his choosing coming up here. Obviously, he pitched for the Red Sox. A lot of people in this area hope he comes back home. Milton native, uh, pitched for the Red Sox, actually re-energized his career back in 2015. We get into this in, in the podcast, which is just an unbelievable story. Also, his time with the Dodgers. Also, he weighs in on the Blake Snell decision. He was the original Blake Snell decision back in the 2018 World Series. But a big part of this podcast is a series that we're going to be doing at least once a month. And uh, the city of Boston Credit Union are so nice to get behind this. It's called Uniquely Boston. I am fascinated by the fact that how unique Boston is to professional athletes, to growing up here. Uh, as I point out, you know, I grew up here. I was a kid running around County Road in Essex pretending I was Doug Flutie. So, you know, it is a very, very unique place to, to follow sports and also to play sports. And perhaps there's no one better to give us some perspective of that than Rich Hill. I mean, he was a guy, as he points out, you know, walking up the ramp at Fenway Park, and the next thing you know, he's wearing a Red Sox uniform. So I think it's a, it's a pretty entertaining podcast. It's a long one, almost an hour. But we get into all the things uniquely Boston, uh, thanks to Rich Hill. We get into the decision where baseball is going when it comes to analytics, one of his favorite subjects. And he is so, so well-versed in this and so well-spoken. And also his free agency, you know, what he's looking for from free agency. And will he actually be coming back to the Red Sox and how he views that? It's a good podcast. I hope you enjoy it. And once again, go subscribe, go leave a review. We appreciate everything. We're going to start this week off. Rich Hill. All right. Well, he was born on March 11th, 1980 in Boston, Mass. Rich Hill. Which, which hospital were you born in? Hey, Rob. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Um, in, uh, in, at MGH. Mass okay. Joe. Okay. Uh, there you go. Yeah. Um, yeah. So... When we talk about being uniquely Boston, there is very few people who are more uniquely Boston than, than Rich Hill. And this is obviously kicks off our series with the city of Boston credit union, uniquely Boston. And to be uniquely Boston, you have to, I think it helps to be born in Boston, but then obviously you went a little bit outside Boston. That's okay. You know, you went to Milton, you went to Milton. Did, was that where your, your family was from? Yeah, well, my dad was from uh, Brockton, and my mom uh, grew up in Dorchester. So, uh, you know, we had uh, uh, kind of family all over the all over the uh, southern part of, of uh, Massachusetts, and and uh, you know around the city as well. So, um, but growing up, they they well, they ended up uh, moving to Milton. So they moved to Milton, Mass, and that's where that's where I uh, grew up in Milton. Okay. Excellent. Not a bad place to grow up. So I'm just going to cut to the chase. You grew up in uh, rooting for Boston teams. You grew up um, like I did, like, you know, pretending I was Doug Flutie in the streets of Essex, Mass. Um, and you also played professionally in Boston. Mm -hmm. Why we get to sort of the, the particulars of going through that path and going through that route, I, I just want to ask you a broader question, which is, You've been other places. If you had to say to someone, say, this is why Boston is different when it comes to sports. This is why it's different. Tell me why. It's the, it's the passion that the fans have, you know, and I think that that going around, I've played in every major market. And when you talk about major markets, the question is asked, what is that? And, and it's New York, Chicago, LA, and Boston. Those are the four, those are, that's it. Those are the four major markets. Um, you know, and, and being from here and growing up here and then having the uh, good fortune of, of being able to play uh, for the Red Sox and also, you know, the Pawtucket Red Sox at the time, um, you know, that, that, that uh, it, it definitely 
I don't want to say it comes full circle, but with growing up here and going to Red Sox games and then having the, uh, again, like I said, the, 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 uh, being afforded the opportunity to play for the Red Sox and see it all come together was, was it's, it's unbelievably special. Um, but I would tell, and I do tell uh, players that I play with, um, you know, who may be considering free agency, who may be, uh, you know, considering a possible move to, to Massachusetts and Boston is that, you know, it, it's a passionate city. It really is. And what I mean by that is that they pay attention to the games uh, they understand what's going on. They're educated fans. Um, you know, um, sometimes you know, being wearing uh, the the other the other uh, teams uh, the other teams jersey will will get you some flack, I guess, if you want to say that. But you know, you're going to hear it from the fans, which is 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 great as well. Um, and and I've said this before. I said it to Allard Baird. Uh, uh, one of the greatest things about being a Red Sox is is you know, having that uh, honest opinion from the fans be reciprocated immediately. You know, they appreciate effort. They appreciate a good 90 down to first base, whether you roll over to second base or you hit a line drive off, off the wall, off the monster. So it's, you know, it, that, and, and the intensity of, of the player, they, they love to see that. And that's what people pay good money for. They pay to see that. That's why you buy a ticket. You buy the emotion. Um, and, and certainly you get that, uh, here in Boston and, and, uh, you know, as long as players are, are true to themselves and, uh, you know, they're, they're really bringing out that, um, intensity and that passion, then people will respect that here in the city and, and also appreciate again, the efforts that, that the player is bringing. So that's something that I, I say that. And I also, they asked me about the media. They asked me about them. It always comes up. Well, what is it like? And and my my personal opinion to that is is you're a professional. You have an obligation as as a player. The player is a professional, as 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 you guys are as media. But we have an obligation to uh, stand in front of our locker, whether you threw a no hitter or you gave up you know, 10 runs in the first, you know, as a starter. So you have to sit there and take the heat and you also have to be, uh, you know, honest about it and honest about how your outing went. And that's all anybody wants is, is your honest opinion. And, you know, a lot of times they're, they're really, if, if you are and you're not trying to sugarcoat anything, um, you know, they're, you're, you're, you're going to do fine. Um, and on top of it, you're, you're probably going to play well too because you're not sitting there thinking about, oh, you know, what am I going to say after the game or how am I going to handle this with the media as opposed to just be yourself. And that's all anybody's asking. Um, and, and, you know, uh, fortunately, I think for me, uh, I came up in the Chicago Cubs system, obviously another very big market um, and was, was fortunate to play around some uh, Hall of Fame players now <laughs> um, and, and great players at the time. Uh, who kind of taught me, you know, that kind of, you know, that, that rule moving forward, like just be honest with the media. Uh, don't try to sugarcoat anything. And, you know, that's going to help you a lot in, in, in your career. So, you know, telling other players that and, and understanding that, you know, I remember sitting next to one player in particular who had just signed a, a huge deal coming to Boston and, uh, you know, I was sitting next to him on the bench and I said, how do you like it here? He goes, I didn't know it was going to be this crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so I said, you know, I said, hey, it is, this is what it is. And it's great. That's for me as a, as a professional at the highest level, that's what I want to play in front of. I want to, I want the immediate feedback. I want people, you know, if, if they tell you you suck, you suck. If they tell you you're great, you're great. It's not, and there's no, there's no hard feelings about it because you know at the end of the day when you look in the mirror that you gave everything you could, and that's it. That's about as good as answer that anyone could give, and, and I wish more people understood it like you did. Um, <clears throat> I'm going to go back to uh, Little Rich Hill, and <laughs> when – do you remember your first Red Sox game going to Fenway? Yeah. You know, I, I was I, – again, I was lucky. I, I got the opportunity to go to some, some Red Sox – games when I was younger um and uh I remember coming up I believe it was gate uh E was it E it was either no it wasn't I don't think it was D it might have been D which which one's on uh Lansdowne D KD is this A and D both on on uh oh no not on Lansdowne I apologize that's on Jersey Street now 
um, used to be Yaki Way. Uh, Gate E would be probably on Lansdowne. It's across from the Caskin flag. Yes, yeah, yeah. That, that's that's D. No, no, but but I know the gate you're talking about. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. No, I, you know, not and and again, not being outside the stadium uh, and and going to games, but actually walking in through you know security or whatever, and then having you know, it's it's a to me, it's it's somewhat of a cathedral. It was almost um, you know, I'm kind of going off. Uh, the question here, but it was, it reminded me of the first time I walked into Wrigley, first time I walked into the old Yankee stadium. Um, and looking back and realizing how fortunate, you know, I was to kind of get a glimpse of uh, the way uh, those stadiums looked and looked uh, with Yankee stadium before it was torn down and Wrigley before it was, you know, kind of uh, had a huge facelift. So um yeah i can somewhat remember the the first uh game that i went to um at fenway i was i think i was probably around well i was i was still young enough to be carried on my dad's shoulders so that was something that because i remember leaving and getting uh i remember i got a little wooden uh um you know uh trophy bat yeah sure yep um, and I still have it. So, you know, I had the Red Sox logo on it, said Boston Red Sox on it. And I was going by every telephone pole and whacking the telephone pole with that. <laughs> so by the time I got it home, it had all these dents. Uh, but yeah, I remember that. I remember, you know, multiple times we would go to that gate across the street from Cask and Flagon. Um, and coming up the ramp, I just remember, you know, here it is, the most perfect piece of grass in, in, in the city. That was it. And batting practice was usually going on, you know. Oh, so sure. you, had, you had the organ going, you'd have batting practice going on, and we would go out. Uh, the seats were usually out by, uh, you know, the, the the monster there out in left field, uh, left field line up into the grandstands. Um, and the seats, my brother had seats, and he still does with a group of friends. Um, and the the seat that you know, sometimes I would sit in, but it was two seats. One was behind a pole and the other one wasn't. So it was, it was four seats all together. I think they had as a group, but <laughs> two seats were usually, you know, and we would get the other two tickets. So, you know, we'd swap off in between sitting behind the pole and, and get <laughs> but that, you know, that's something that's so unique. And you think about, we talk about Boston sports and go back to like the garden, you know, and I remember going, going to the 19, uh, I believe it was the 1989 playoff game against the, New York Knicks, um, and sitting in the overhang at the garden, you know, and, and the sticky floors and, you know, you don't, you just, they, you know, everything's too clean now. They, <laughs> well, I remember my dad going to the old garden. Um, yeah. we actually, we actually had a, we had a friend who ran the, they, they called them the hand, uh, handouts where you go and it's t-shirt night or poster night or, <laughs> or whatever. And so we got in there and we got in there for games for free. And the big thing was my dad buying me a sports bar. Remember sports bars? Oh yeah. Yeah. Those are huge. <laughs> I, I had the picture with me. I had a buddy. I should get, ah, uh, man, I don't know. We don't have time now, but I, I have a picture of me. He actually worked as a vendor at, uh, at Fenway. And I took a picture of him. We were at the game and I had one of the old Kodak disposables yeah, yeah. on sports bars. Oh, really? <laughs> I just took a picture of him and it saw it's classic. <laughs> what so so when you you know as a kid, I, you know when when I'm in second grade and you say draw what you want to be when you grow up and I draw the the Red Sox uniform with the with the stretchy uh, stretchy belt and you know the 1978 yeah. Red Sox uniform like that's yeah. what I want to be and my God my goodness I can't imagine putting on that uniform. Well, you got that opportunity. Yeah. Do you remember that that? first time like obviously you know you're with the Red Sox but you know in your in your grown so maybe it's a little bit different perspective about the business of baseball and everything but do you remember that first time you're like oh my goodness I'm wearing a Red Sox uniform yeah um it was 2010 uh we were on the on the road actually out in Seattle and uh playing the Mariners and I remember uh meeting Tito and you know obviously going back to uh, 2004 and 
that was my second year, I think, in professional baseball. And uh, my wife and I, um, Caitlin, we actually uh, were able to get into uh, the playoff game. Uh, we didn't have tickets, but we were able to get in <laughs> and out on top of the uh, up on top of the monster um, and watched. Uh, I forget what game it was, but it, it, Derek Jeter went back, made a catch over the shoulder, right? And it, it might have been, I think they, it might have been the game that eliminated the Red Sox that year. Mm -hmm. um, not not 2004, excuse me, it was 2003. So Three. it was the previous year. 2004, obviously, they won. We did not attend yeah. uh, those games. Um, but we did go back in 07 to see him beat the Rockies um, and uh, at home. And uh, so my first time, you know, obviously playing, we were in the playoffs that year. Uh, and, and, you know, a couple of weird things that have happened, I guess. We were living in uh, off of Washington Street in downtown. In 2007, we had made the playoffs with the Cubs. And I was in the big leagues at the time. And um, I remember looking out our window and I could see the parade float by. And just, just kind of having, you know, it, you know you're kind of, obviously still the fan side of you right was like oh wow that's that's pretty cool you know Red Sox won it would be you know cooler if you know the Cubs had won here or the team that I you know that you were playing for and won that would have been great um but uh and then you know fast forwarding to 2018 uh you know and and playing the Red Sox in the World Series and then end up losing to them in the World Series uh that was that was that was uh you know, even more difficult to swallow. And and then all the way going back a little bit in between was 2013 when we were with the uh, Indians and we got bounced by the Rays and the Rays came here and, you know, to Boston and ended up losing to the Red Sox. But anyway, so the first time putting on a, on a Red Sox uniform, I, I very much remember it. I had a corner locker in the visitor's side um, and, uh, you know, I just remember walking in at, as I had, you know, in that, in that locker room a few times before being with other teams, but, you know, it definitely felt special, uh, seeing, you know, seeing the Boston emblazoned across the chest and, and, uh, you know, name and, and, uh, you know, number on the back was, was really special. And then obviously being around the guys in that clubhouse and understanding, you know, why they had success all those years with, with a leader like Tito and, and, and the staff that they had with the guys that, that were, that were, uh, you know, kind of at the helm and, and brought everything together. I think it was, you know, for me, it was, it was, it was, uh, it was really special. I think the other, the other one was coming back again in 2015 um, and, and making a start at Fenway. Which was uh, well. Which was I mean, who could forget that start yeah. at Fenway, right? I mean, yeah. yeah. It was, you know, that's what I was going to ask you. Is like you, it's all good, well and good to to be on the team and everything, but yeah. to and you know, I've I've mentioned that run that you had with in the Red Sox that four starts in September yeah. and when you came back, but the signature moment of that was the start at Fenway, right. And, and which was a complete game shutout, yeah. shutout, correct? Yeah. Right. Against and, the yeah. and Mookie makes the catch at the, yeah. at the end. And, and I was, I was doing that game with Joe Castiglione on the radio and Joe, I almost flew out of the, out of the blue booth. I've never seen him so excited in my life, but, um, but you're right. I mean, I can't imagine like you go through all of that and then you have that moment at Fenway park at Fenway Park, the place where yeah. you know you you walked in to gate whatever it was, yeah, you have that moment um, in front of those fans, which were it was like this electric atmosphere, and everyone could feel that game building and building and building. It yeah. must have been like an incredible experience. Yeah, that was that was uh, you know if I'm gonna be picky about it. I'm going to be picky about it, and I, and you know, not I don't want to, but uh, I would have loved to have worn the uh, the home whites. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, red and uh, you know, but that that that's just beside you know that I'm I'm more of a uh, you know I like the you I like have the, you must have pictures from that night or I mean I yeah can, if yeah. you don't I can find some but yeah yeah. yeah. 
great. I mean, you know, just the whole the whole thing and and how uh, the, that whole month, um, you know, kind of making it's kind of a transition from you know going from survival mode as a as a reliever and and not to say that that's that's just why not why I did it. I did it because I felt like I was you know uh, still had a lot to give and knew that I could pitch effectively out of the bullpen. Um, but at one point in that stretch when I was in the bullpen, uh, I had uh, talked to our pitching coach with the Cleveland Indians and told him, Mickey Calloway, who ended up becoming the manager for the New York Mets, um, I ended up telling him that, you know, I feel like I can start again. And that was in 2013, so a few years before, <clears throat> you know, going back to starting. Anyway, um, but making that decision to um, go to independent ball and um, fortunately get picked up again by the Red Sox and, and, and pitch well. I mean, that's, that's, you know, I think part of this, um, you know, journey to getting to where I am now and to where I was going uh, in 2015 um, had to be with, you know, obviously great effort, passion, and the ultimate result was putting up the numbers. So you can't just, you know, go out there and be Johnny Hustle and, and not have, you know, not have the numbers. So uh, putting up the numbers and, and getting the opportunity to come back and, and have that September uh, pitching against, you know, the, the Blue Jays, uh, the Orioles, uh, Tampa, and the Yankees in Yankee Stadium. I mean, that was a that was a tough division that year too in 2015. Oh every, yeah, yeah. Every team, even the Orioles. I mean, that year that was kind of you know maybe their last year where they were competitive. Up, you know, up until uh, uh, you know before that point. Um, but you know, again, uh, having that opportunity and then being able to make that start. Um, at Fenway was, was extremely special. And again, I, I, you know, wanted, wanted to go out there as I, as I do every time and take the ball and make sure that, you know, I, I gave everything I could. Well, conversely also, we talked so much about being Boston, Boston Red Sox, whatever, mm -hmm. but the flip side of that is Yankees, like, okay, yeah. Red Sox and Yankees. And during part of that story for that month, the last start of that yeah. great run was at Yankee Stadium, mm -hmm. right? Correct. Which, which, right. To this day, was you know, if you're going to ask me my top ten like interviews that I always remember, it will be after that game with you, where yes. you had you had pitched well against a good Yankees team at Yankee Stadium. You had punctuated this comeback, and 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 you rightfully said this showed me or this showed everyone. To listen, this isn't a fluke. I can pitch against anyone, and and we're sitting here, you know, five years later, and you're absolutely right. Uh, yeah, you know, I, and again with the, you know, every feeling healthy, making sure that you know, putting in the work in the off season, having great people around myself, um, you know, family that was supportive the entire way through with my wife Caitlin and our son Bryce, um, and it was still not done. We're still going, but yeah, <laughs> but. Throughout this whole this whole journey, it's it's obviously um, something that uh, it's it's many pieces behind behind the scene just to go out there and and uh, have that ability to uh, have everything come together. Um, but yeah, I mean that was you know really going out there, and I remember the first game pitching against Tampa, and you know seeing how my curveball was working, seeing how everything was coming out pretty effortlessly and waking up the next day and feeling good and just saying, all right, you know, now we can put any kind of issues uh, that might be physical behind me because now I know I'm, I'm, you know, really good to go and uh, just continue on with that. Whenever the next time is that, that you get the ball because uh, there was a little bit of scheduling conflict that month with, with some guys that were going to be starting and some guys that, you know, opted to um, take the rest of the year, I think, because of some some ailments they might have been going through uh, just to kind of go into the off season. And because at that point, you know, we weren't we weren't playing for anything. Mm -hmm. uh, so also having that uh, good, you know, 
you know, things fall in place. Let's just say things did fall into place. And, uh, but again, at the end of the day, Rob, it was about putting up the numbers and going out there and, and making adjustments. I can remember, uh, in particular and talking with my wife, Caitlin about this game and, and also talking with, uh, Josh Donaldson now after playing with him when he was with the blue Jays that year. And, uh, you know, they had kind of figured out a few things that I was doing in the game and, and maybe I was tipping pitches or something like that, but, I ended up started throwing a, a change up the, the second time through the lineup and it completely threw a wrench into their, um, you know, into their game plan and, and just going back and, and understanding, okay, it's not just throwing your pitching. It's the art of it. It's the creativity of it. And, and having that comfort level as well uh, to be able to do that was something that, uh, you know, from the staff, with the with 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 the staff that year with the Red Sox and 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 you know them totally supporting uh, that creativity was was huge. All right, so I was um, can we can we get into a, the here and the now a little bit? Sure. Okay, so because you brought this up and we've talked about this before, and I think it's a good segue. You use the example of the creativity and the art of pitching. And you gave that example of evolving throughout a game, right? Right. Obviously, this is a big topic of conversation and, you know, because of what happened in the World Series. And it started really two years ago with you with the yeah. Dodger situation. And, you know, you've been pretty vocal, you know, and, and I don't think you're alone about, like, where this is going. Yeah. I mean, it's frustrating as it is for people like me. Is it is – it, Talk to me about your feelings. Um, I guess I got to be honest. Like, when you saw what happened in the World Series, yeah, I think um, so. This is from my perspective and my experience as well, and knowing um, you know the difference between not only playoff games and every playoff game is serious, no doubt, but World Series games and regular season games and you know, wild card games and division and championship series, right? So if you look at them as a kind of a fan or, you know, you open a fan and, and they're all there. I mean, you know, your World Series games are the most heightened, most important, um, uh, most critical games of the year, right? Uh, but then you go into like the wild card game and, and if you don't win that, you're, you're out. So that might be, you know, 1A is the World Series and one B would be the wild card game. Um, and strategy is going to play a part in every single postseason game. Um, and strategy is going to play a part in every in season game, 162. <clears throat> now with, and I've been able to benefit greatly from um, the analytics and from the quantifying of spin rate and, why um, my fastball plays up uh, and, you know, perceptually um, it looks, you know, faster, um, but you can't we, we never had a, you know, way to quantify it. Right. I mean, you were the guy for that. I mean, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. With, with, you know, Brian Bannister and, and obviously our talks that we had early on, this is again, going off, question but to 2015 a lot of that um even before that uh kind of you know transformed into coming into this new age of 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 baseball um so we have 162 and you have the postseason uh now you have a decision to make do we continue on with the same way we've been playing for 162 or uh because it's obviously proven successful, we're in the playoffs, um, and or do we do a blend? Do we do a blend? Or do we abandon everything that we've, that's gotten us to this point, to, the, to you know, obviously having success, winning the division, and or getting an opportunity to play in the playoffs with a wild card game? Um, or do we abandon all that and just use athleticism? and use our eyes and go with experience um and experience doesn't mean necessarily uh you know the guy who's been in the big leagues for 15 years it could be a guy who's been consistent all year long 
who's a rookie who's who's done it all year long but that experience is when you go to draw from you know past performances uh you know anything past two weeks you know you're you start to lose that feeling of oh, what was that like i can't remember what that you know and then all of a sudden you start searching and you're you have no you can't just take i don't know you, you know a guy who's been out of the game for a year but he had a 20-year hall of fame career and expect him to just hop back in the box and and be able to hit a fast you know or or perform we all know that right mm-hmm. so that's my definition of experience it doesn't have to be someone who is uh you know uh, a touted major league player and or you know with hall of fame credentials um so i i truly believe that when it comes to um that moment in those in the biggest stage it's it's you know the guys who have the least uh or the you know the lowest heart rate the kind of ability to just focus in on um making sure that the play is executed um not so much about you know how you know the the after effect of the play so meaning like the reception of the play they're not looking for you know the the glory of of making the big hit and they're not concerned about it um i think if you look back in interviews uh in all sports you know you see guys that make that huge play um or women that make that huge play or huge shot at the end of the game and it's kind of just like a glazed overlook it's not really you know yes i knew i was going to do this and and thank you every you know it's not it's it's not looking for the pat on the back. It's, it's kind of, you know, the ability to stay in the moment, as I, I've always talked about this, the ability to stay in the moment and being able to, you know, have, have the uh, occasion rise to you where you don't have to rise to the occasion. And in that, in that time frame, you're thinking about executing and that's it. And, um, and that comes from, you know, a a huge amount of work that you have to do in focusing mentally as far as all the things that you can't control on the outside and and focusing in on being able to make that, uh, you know, that pitch, make that swing um, and and execute again. But when that comes around and those times come around in the postseason, because that's what we're talking about baseball, Mm -hmm. uh, in the World Series, I would say, you know, you have to have a catalog in your mind as a manager and understand who is that one guy that I can go to and put him in that situation. And I know he's going to give us the best chance to win. Um, now that's not on paper. It's not going to be on paper. Um, it's, it's, it's really what I just described. It's a guy who can stay in the moment and focus in and not let the moment become big. Um, and you know, we're not going to find that on, on a piece of paper. And I think that if we don't use our judgment in those situations, then we really don't have any judgment at all. Um, you know, I, I think that is what we've been, uh, given if, if we're coaches, we're always going to be a coach and coaching doesn't come from, uh, you know, a sheet of paper. It's the ability to, you know, it's, it's, it, yes, part of it is that part of it is looking at a piece of paper and understanding what the diagnostics are. It's like taking your car into the shop and mm-hmm. now they just plug it in. It's not like they have to really lift the hood anymore. They can find out what's going on by just plugging it in. And, uh, you know, we can certainly do that. Uh, from my perspective as a, as a pitcher, we can look at all the numbers and see, you know, wow, this is, this is really good. We can, we can work on this. We can, you know, maybe we can improve this. Now I'm kind of going off a little bit. No, no, it's good. As a pitcher, if I'm looking at a pitching coach and he can see all these things, if he can't bridge that to the player, if he can't bridge the paper to the player and, and now turn it into, you know, mechanically, this is how we have to do it. You know, what, what do we have? You know, we just really have a player who's who's you know sw- you know swimming in circles, and and not really having the uh, understanding of how to improve. 
Um, so that that's so that's what I mean by the coaching side. Coaching is always going to be coaching. There's not going to be, you know, there's not going to be uh, anything that's, in my opinion, is going to change that from the, you know, the ability to bring players up when they're down or to keep players level when they're too high. You know, that that's that's the one thing that that is uh, to me the the great coaches that I've been around have that ability to do that. And, and uh, again, that's not on paper. It's, 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 it's an innate ability to be able to connect with another human being uh, um, to, to, um, you know, bring the best out of that player. And that's all coaches are trying to do is, is make that player, you know, the best that they can be. And in, in, in that role, in those roles, the players that are the best in those situations, you know, you take like a David Freeze, for example, mm-hmm. you know, being around him for a year and understanding um, his ability to lock it in and, and, and focus in the moment was, was incredible. Um, Clayton Kershaw, you know, um, uh, Walker Buell, all a lot of guys that are, are great performers, John Lester, um, Jonathan Papelbon, um, you know, Tim Wakefield, for example, these guys, when, you know, it's, it's a build to the game or the moment uh, when you're either going to have the at-bat, come out of the bullpen, or make the start, uh, you know, it's, it's a build throughout the day, and you, and you can see it come together. And I think that's one of the coolest parts of, um, you know, of, 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 of the game and of sports is that build. Um, and you know, when, when it's time to make a pinch hit at bat or, you know, uh, or have bring in the right reliever in, in the, in the right situation, it's not necessarily the guy that plays out best on paper uh, mm-hmm. in the season. And we've seen that year after year after year, you know, why is, why is uh, Brad Peacock going to pitch, you know, four or five innings in relief? Why is uh, Evaldi going to pitch eight innings in relief? I mean, nobody would do that, right, during the regular season. Mm. But the postseason calls for different moments, and it calls for different uh, directions. <laughs> well, I mean, honestly, Rich, my hope off of, you know, going off of your situation when you were taken out in 2018, and then we get into this postseason, and you could see it sort of trickling going down that road because baseball was going down that road anyway, mm-hmm. evolving. But like you said, my hope was, all right, let's understand postseason's postseason. And by the way, it's also a short season. Like, for instance, right. the Red Sox were taking out guys in 2018 because it was a long season. I mean, they were at yeah. 220 innings. Yeah, right. You, you had starters. You know, there was part of the equation of taking guys out wasn't they were exhausted. Wasn't it's a, If anything, it was the relievers who were exhausted from being run out there. So my hope was that we would learn from it. And as the postseason went on, it was, there wasn't, it, it, I don't think there was enough of that, at least from my perspective. And, and it was frustrating because when we started the World Series, literally, I remember doing a, um, a podcast with Pat Light. And I said, one of the questions I said, which manager is going to catch heat for doing this, for taking out a guy? And, and then, you know, sure enough, what happened, happened. But it's, you, makes all, you make all the sense in the world. And that's the thing that's hard for me to get my head around, is that we have lessons. We have your lesson. We have this lesson. But mm-hmm. my sense is that they're still going to keep doing this. Yeah, and I think there's other, op- there's, um, other uh, examples as well with pinch hitting. Um, you know, you see it where you see a guy, you know, and I, and I love Charlie Culberson. Um, and you know, when he pinch hit for Nick Marcakis now and Charlie in his own right has had huge at bats over his career in big, big moments. Um, but again, that's like, you know, you have a, you have a lefty pitcher on the mound. You want to bring in a righty. Why is that always, why is that always the, the best, uh, you know, time to do why is it always better to have a lefty versus a righty hitter right now i'll probably catch heat for saying that right it's like oh because it's so much easier to hit when you see it coming in from there there are left-handers that hit left-handers better than 
they hit right hand. Well, I mean, the Mookie Bench situation in the World Series, I mean, that was a perfect example. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. No, I, I agree. And, and you know, and, and you see uh, and you see some, some uh, relievers that come out of the bullpen, sometimes they want to face left-handers. They don't want to face right-handers because they might lose the ball arm side consistently and they might have more difficulty, you know, executing a pitch or, you know, they might only be able to throw one pitch uh, in that situation where they feel comfortable. Um, and a lot of things that go into uh, kind of the game in the game, I guess, if you want to call it, uh, we don't see. So we just assume. And, you know, if, if some of the hitters, let's just take left-handed hitters, for example, because there's less left-handed pitchers. So there's not as many uh, opportunities and, you know, there's not a lot of uh, numbers out there to obviously, give them enough credit I think uh for being able to hit lefties lefties on lefties mm -hmm. and um you know if we worked on that and it was given the opportunity to put players in there uh to be able to hit uh you know the same same side uh you know left on left on left I, I think they would I think they would be able to figure it out and succeed especially the hitters that are you know your your big time players um, and we're just seeing it become so specialized in that sense. Now you'll almost see a left-handed pitcher is pitching today. Okay, it's going to be an all-right-handed lineup. It's not necessarily true. It doesn't necessarily have to play out that way. No, um, it's, it's a good point, too, about like because the, there is an element of the more you're being told that you can't do something, yeah. the more it's going to get in your head. Right? Well, that – but yeah, but then also, right. And then a hundred percent. And then also think about, you know, Hey, we, you know, we have a, we have a left-handed pitcher pitching today. Let's look at the lineups that he's faced. Oh, wow. He's faced the last four games. He hasn't seen a left-handed left-handed batter. So, you know, as a manager, I'm going to talk to the pitching coach and say, make sure that, you know, when you stand in for, you know, his bullpens that you're standing in left-handed because he hasn't seen a lefty in, in almost a month, a month. One month in, in, in a six-month season, that's, that's a long time. Um, and, you know, when you put – now you start – and either or, or righties, you know, hey, we're going to stack it all lefty. Uh, you know, and with obviously the, the influx of switch hitters in the game now where, where it seems like almost every team has, you know, four switch hitters on their team, uh, you're going to see a, a heavily stacked left-handed line. You know? So then, you know, here's a righty that may have not have seen a right-handed hitter. Um, you know, the odds aren't really going to be the same as they are as a lefty, but you know what I'm saying. That's sure. my, that, you know, if, if you continue to do the same thing over and over and over again, uh, you know, I always said that about Cole Hamels. I said, wow, why don't we put in some more lefties? You know, this is back in 2006, 2007. Sure. Oh, so we can neutralize this changeup. Um, you know, and eventually he ends up throwing it, learning how to throw it to left-handed hitters, which, you know, but that, but at the time I said, you know, we're, we're stacking the lineup, and this was back in 2007, stacking it uh, with all righties because we wanted to, you know, have a, a better chance of winning the games when he was with the Phillies. And, you know, I, 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 I was always – I'm always amazed by it. Well, it's – you know, we'll see where it ends up and see if it's adjusted. Um, and you've been very generous through the time. I appreciate it. One, yeah. one, one question uh, about, again, the here and the now. Does free agency feel different? Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. you know, there's a lot of things that are looming. Um, obviously, how many games are we going to play next year? Uh, I hope, you know, we have fans back in the stands. That's something that obviously watching the Masters this weekend and uh, being able to, you know, it's it's so different. Uh, the, the feeling and the, you know, just the uh, the life in the in the stadium. Uh, you know, I think that's that's where uh, the fans bring that passion and 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 again that's that's why we play in a sense yes because we love the game and um and we're good at it but also when you play at the highest level you you know you want to play in front of a packed house you want to play in front of 40 50,000 fans uh, there's nothing better than being cheered or being booed honestly <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah. and so you're I mean, you're heading into – I mean, are you a pretty – you had a good year. I mean, you like we, we talked right before the season. Um, yeah. Like, you're still dealing. You're still doing well. Um, 
I mean, you're, it's like, in, we know that you, that went, last time you went free agency, it worked out really well. I know you have great agents. Um, is, but still, like, I think for a, a lot of free agents, not only yourself, like you said, the unknown is the anxiety, right? This isn't the normal free agent off season. Yeah. Uh, you know, Rob, and I, and I, and I feel like I've, again, I'm fortunate to be in a position where I, I never, you know, thought when you think back, I don't know, five years ago or six years ago that after, you know, a, a, a third act, so to speak for myself and my career and, and how the mindset has totally <laughs> changed from when you're, you know, a rookie and we can talk about that another day, but um, now it's, it's picking, where you know it's almost like you know looking at Vegas and seeing who's going to win the World Series next year and, and calling them up. <laughs> but that that's 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 how I that's how I feel is I want to win a World Series and I want to be a part of that and and uh, um, you know being I'm going to be 41 next year I feel like I'm in great shape and feel like I obviously have the ability to contribute and contribute in a big way. Um, and that's why we chose, uh, you know, Minnesota last year, um, coming off of a season where they won over a hundred games and, um, seeing that they had the opportunity that they, that they put themselves in to be competitive and not only be competitive, but really have a chance to win. You know, unfortunately it didn't work out. And, uh, again, I think, um, you know, and, and a lot of things that, that are going to go into the decision of, uh, where we're going to sign this year, I think, I think is, uh, one, one of them, one, one of them. And, and one of the big ones is, is winning mm. and understanding that that is, uh, you know, first and foremost. And then, you know, also, uh, location, uh, you know, for my family and, and being able to, uh, you know, see the games and, and having our son around and, and, you know, uh, just be being a part of it i think is 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 very important. if there was only a team that needed it, starting pitching that was it, near your house yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh so, yeah. So, circle of life yeah yeah we gotta yeah <laughs> uh, i think uh they you know bullpen work on the bullpen i think the lineup is good you get everybody back um, I think obviously getting sale back is huge. Um, you know, Eddie having him come back being healthy and, and, uh, Nathan, I think, you know, those are three, three really, really, really good guys. Do you, do you, do when you talk about the free agency, I, I have to ask is that you talk about, I remember you're saying this about the twins, about winning a world series, how important it was. Um, mm -hmm. is it really like, obviously you're going to take, interest from teams but do you look at teams and say like okay I believe these are the teams that are have the best chance of winning the world series and making Seth and Sam call them and say hey listen maybe you're not interested or but oh that's that's, that's all I <laughs> so that, that, that that's the approach you're taking yeah absolutely I mean look I I, I feel like again like I said um the, if you want to, I don't know if I want to, I don't, I don't want to, having, being put in a position where we're able to make a decision uh, that is, um, you know, about winning and, and not anything else. And, and that's, in my opinion, I've, I've been around a lot of winning, uh, you know, throughout my entire career when I look back on it. And I've played with guys that, you know, haven't been around winning teams and haven't had the opportunity. That is and how amazing it is to, to get to that point and, and not in, and I didn't really realize it. I don't think until, you know, having the opportunity to go to two world series and, and coming so close in one of them to win, uh, how important it is and, and playing, playing with a, a guy like Derek Jeter in New York and hearing him say, you know, when the team doesn't win a world series, it's a fail. It's a failed year. Um, you know, those are pretty, uh, a high expectations, but B it's, it's very blunt. And that's how I look at it now. I mean, and I understand it, but sure. I didn't understand it, uh, you know, uh, back in, back in, uh, 2014. But I think, when I, I, 
I, I think it's a unique situation you're in because there's not a lot of players who can do that can say um, just, hey, listen, I'm going to call these teams because I think they're going to win the World Series. And because there's financial implications for some of the teams, there's oh. maybe – but you know, you're sort of the sweet spot. You're, mm-hmm. you, you, can, you show that you can produce. Um, you don't necessarily have to sign a six-year contract. You right. Know, and, and, you know, and it, you'll fit that, their whole thing. No matter – there isn't – put it this way. There isn't a team that can't fit Rich Hill into their, their situation. Right. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Yeah. And I and I think so. The other side of it, Rob, is just being able to behind the scenes things that go on, you know, and understanding how you're seeing maybe younger players who are unbelievably talented. I mean, so talented that are struggling with different things other than, you know, just being able to be gifted and and have that ability. Right. Dealing with uh, results and how do we deal with results and how do we move forward? And then how do you help that player understand the larger picture? And then, you know, in turn in doing that throughout an entire season, what you're doing is developing somebody for the postseason. And it's not about, you know, uh, that, that, that game or that situation. And it's learning from that game or learning from that situation, whether it went really well or whether it went horribly bad. Um, it's to get that player who is, who is, you know, has all the talent in the world and, and has had success at the, at the highest level, but hasn't done it in the postseason. and understanding that when it does come to that moment in the postseason, that they've been working on that the entire year. And it, it doesn't hit them like a, you know, a Mack truck when they get there and they, the lights go on. So that, that's the other side of it. That's the it other side. absolutely is. It absolutely is. Well, I, you've been, like I said, you've been incredibly generous for your time. So, um, yeah. and it's, on this, I, I love talking baseball. Oh man. Like it's so fun talking baseball with you and then, then factor in sprinkling in the, you know, although you're 10 years younger than me, you know, still like the, but being able to talk about sports bars and walk out oh, yeah. the Fenway ramp and, and hit and uh, at the same bat, you know? And so, uh, so uh, we're great. I, we didn't, you know, yeah. seeing 